with one another. I pray that our hearts would just be set completely on continuing worshiping you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you don't have it, you need it. If you do have it, you need more of it. You withhold it, but you shouldn't. You fake it. Might as well forget it. To get it, you have to give it. And you may think you don't need it now, but you do. Pretty soon, you'll be begging for it. Not that that's a requirement, because you can get it without asking for it. And you can give it without being asked. Sometimes that's the hardest thing you'll do. But when you do, it's worth it. Because we need to give it as much as we need it ourselves. After all, he gives it to us. Forgiveness, it's everything. We are in a sermon series entitled Parables, the Greatest Stories Ever Told. Uh, today is our third parable and actually the fourth sermon in the series. Uh, and I want to tell you that if you've missed any of these sermons, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them or watch them. Uh, they are available to you in all of these various forms of media. Today's parable is the parable of the unmerciful servant. And it is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. So if you brought a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. And if not, I have everything on the screen available for you. And Matthew writes, beginning with verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the man ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master had him handed over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This 
is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So as we have been studying these parables, we have said that every parable has a literal meaning. That anybody who was there and heard that story told, uh, they would be able to glean uh, some kind of a lesson from there. And so uh, if I was listening to that parable, I might say, well, you know, uh, the moral of the story is we should forgive people frequently. Uh, Or sometimes people are just unwilling to forgive others. That makes sense. But remember, the purpose of Jesus speaking in parables was so that those who were seeking spiritual truth and understanding, if they had ears to hear, there was a deeper truth. There were nuggets of spiritual truth. And today, uh, we are going to try to uh, derive a couple nuggets of spiritual truth uh, in our message here. And so if you're following along in your bulletin today, you do have a white insert uh, that we will fill in, and maybe you want to take some notes uh, if if the Holy Spirit speaks to you about anything. But in truth number one, it says this, we need to forgive without limitations. It says beginning in verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, Peter asked a question, and as he asked a question, he attempted to answer it with another question. How many times must I forgive? Must I forgive seven times? Like, where did he get that number from? Did he just pick it out of the air? Well, according to what we know about first century rabbis, uh, they taught that one should forgive somebody three times. And that was derived from their understanding of the Old Testament book of Amos, uh, where God is quoted multiple times as saying, I will forgive three times, even four. The rabbi's logic was, nobody should forgive more often than God. And so uh, they taught three times. So, Peter, perhaps understanding already that when Jesus spoke about the law and the prophets, he talked about righteousness that exceeded that of the law and prophets. So like, hey, seven sounds like a good number, right? And so he said, Lord, should I forgive somebody seven times? In verse 22, we see Jesus' answer. He said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, some translations, this is the NIV, says 77 times. Some other translations say 7 times 70. Check your fingers and toes, that's 490, right? And, but the bottom line is we should forgive without limitation. And I want to say something. Don't go out of here and saying. Oh, In church today, I learned that the Bible is full of errors, all right? That's not the meaning of the message. Let me explain. First of all, long before there was a printing press, uh, the Bible was produced through scribes who wrote it from word to word, all right? The Bible is the inerrant word of God in its original translation. Certainly, 
y'all would say, if we were copying that many words, we would have some errors ourselves, all right? Now, be aware that there are some, some things such as this, where one translation says, um, you know, seven times, or 77 times, another one says 70 times seven. The Word of God is not, um, the, the errors or those kinds of things do not affect the overarching message from Genesis through Revelation. It doesn't mar what God says that He wants to have a relationship with us. It doesn't mar that we all sin. It doesn't mar that God sent His Son as the solution for our sin. The message is not flawed. So, who cares? 77, 70 times 7, it's doesn't really matter. The point is that we are to forgive others without limitation. Now that doesn't come naturally for us. Kind of what happens in most of our lives is this. Someone does something to offend us, and usually not on a piece of paper, but at least on the tablet of our minds, we remember it. And then, perhaps, so that same person will offend us or sin against us again. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to remember that. And we do. And before you know it, we have a whole lot of these. The Scripture says that we are to forgive without limitation. We are not to keep a record of wrongs. Most of us are willing to forgive somebody once. <laughs> eh, maybe I'll forgive them a second time if they do it again. <laughs> but well, by the third time, that's it. I'm washing my hands of that person. I'm done. The point of this parable is that we are to forgive without limitation. And you know the Bible says that we are not, we're not to keep a record of wrongs. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 4, it says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and what does the next phrase say? It keeps no record of wrongs. So the first spiritual nugget from this particular parable is that we are to forgive without limitations. The second truth says we need to forgive because God forgives us. In response to Peter's question, Jesus told a parable and in this parable, God is portrayed as a merciful king. And beginning with verse 23, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now I want you to think about this. 
I don't know exactly what 10,000 bags of gold would have been worth at that time. Let's just for the sake of this parable say that was several million dollars. All right? This is what happened. Looking at verse 25 and following, it says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, it says, took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. So the servant could not pay that debt of millions of dollars. And the king, it says, forgave that debt. He didn't say, well, I'll give you a little bit more time, and if you don't pay me by Tuesday, Freddy's coming and he's going to break your kneecaps. He didn't say that, okay? Um, he simply canceled the entire debt and let him go. I want you to put yourself in the master's shoes. Imagine, of course, this takes a lot of imagination, imagine you were wealthy enough that you loaned somebody several million dollars, okay? <clears throat> Imagine that. And they had trouble paying it back. Would you cancel that debt? Would you cancel it? Some of us, if you loan somebody $100 and they took time to pay it back, you know, you, most of us would probably survive. Okay, uh, but we would want it back sooner or later, all right? Uh, what if somebody, you loaned them a 10 or a 20, and they had trouble paying it back, eventually you say, okay, it's not worth it, I give up, right? Perhaps that would happen. But can you imagine forgiving a debt that's that huge? Friends, that is a picture of mercy. And that is exactly what God has done for us. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you have been forgiven a huge debt. Because you see, the Bible tells us that every one of us sins. Every one of us. Every one of us breaks God's laws and commands. And the Bible clearly tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And what that really means is that the the debt of sin against us results in eternal separation from God, spiritual death. But the good news is that God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus, guess what he did? He paid the debt that we owed. The scripture says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I reminded that that word believe doesn't mean I believe that he existed. It means whoever believes that when Jesus died on that cross, he was there as their representative. He paid the debt that you owe. He paid the debt that I owe. A debt that I could never have paid myself. Now, one might think uh, that if you were forgiven millions of dollars, that you would have learned a lesson of showing mercy to others. 
But even though this servant was forgiven such a huge debt, he refused to forgive a much smaller debt. Beginning with verse 28, it says, But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed them and he began to choke them. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, some translations say 100 denarii. This translation says 100 silver coins. It is believed that whatever the value is, it was the equivalent to a day's work. So, you know, in those days, uh, the average wage was about $2 a day. All right? That's what some people will tell you. There's a lot of speculation. Uh, But nonetheless, compare... $2 to several million dollars. One would think that if somebody forgave a debt of several million dollars and somebody owed you two bucks, you'd say, ah, forget it, right? No, that is not what happened. Instead, he tracked this guy down, he grabbed him by the throat and choked him and said, give me what you owe me. Now, that's a little upsetting. And it was upsetting to his fellow servants because in verse 29 it says, his fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged. He said, be patient with me. But he said, he said he would pay it back, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison because he couldn't pay that debt. Threw him in prison over two bucks or whatever it was worth. Unbelievable, right? And we want to say, how can somebody be so greedy, right? How can somebody be so unloving? How can somebody who was shown so much mercy show no mercy? Remember the point of the parable? We need to forgive Because that's how God forgives us. And unfortunately, we are oftentimes like that unmerciful servant. When we're offended, when someone offends us, you know what we want? We want justice. We want that person to experience the same kind of pain that we do. We want them to experience hurt. We want to get even, right? That's who we are, naturally. But you know the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.32 how we are to really be. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want you to think about this. We... I won't ask if you deserve God's forgiveness because we already know we don't. We do not deserve God's mercy and his grace. What we deserve is eternal punishment. If God treated us as we deserved, we would be punished and separated from him for all of eternity. And we should say, thank God he doesn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated. But he also says... You know all that mercy and grace that I offer to you? 
That is what you are to do for others. Truth number three. We need to forgive to avoid consequences. You know, there are consequences for unforgiveness. Beginning with 31, it says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. And then in verse 33 and following, it says, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. The master was outraged, and he had him thrown into prison. He would not forgive the debt of another. And at the end of the parable, Jesus makes a statement that kind of relates back to the question that Peter asked at the very beginning. And in verse 35, he said, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So what does that mean? Does that mean if we don't forgive, God's going to throw us in jail? God's going to torture us? Well, I think not. But I do believe, and I think it's very true, that if we do not forgive, we create our own prison. And we are tortured. When we are willing, when we are unwilling to forgive others, we are robbed of our joy. We are robbed of our peace. We are robbed of our contentment because when someone offends us and we can't forgive and we can't let go, we continue to play that video over and over and over and over in our minds and it literally eats away at us. Eventually, it will rob not only our joy and our peace and our contentment, many times it will rob us of our sleep. If it continues, certainly a root of bitterness will grow. When we are unwilling to forgive, the Bible also teaches us that it gives Satan, the enemy of God, a toehold in our lives. It just festers and it gets worse. Colossians 3, similar to the passage I shared with you from Ephesians, says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, God is fully aware of whatever hurts you may have suffered. He's completely aware. And God understands that pain, no matter how horrific that pain may be. He is also aware that bitterness and anger and resentment make their home in our lives when we refuse to forgive. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourselves, okay, that all sounds really nice up there, preacher, but 
You have no idea what that person did to me. The pain is just too great. And after all, they don't deserve my forgiveness. And you might be 100% right. That pain is great. And they do not deserve your forgiveness. But let me remind you, neither do we deserve the forgiveness that is offered to us through Jesus. Jesus was crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. And he did not deserve that punishment. He was sinless. He took that punishment that was yours and mine. That's why he was there. The Bible clearly teaches us that since we have been forgiven, we need to forgive others. Here it comes. Even when they don't deserve it, even when they refuse to acknowledge their sin against us, even when they're not even willing to say they're sorry. Not only should we forgive because God tells us to, but we should forgive for our own sake. Someone has said unforgiveness is like drinking a cup of poison and waiting for the other person to die. There are consequences to avoiding forgiveness. First of all, unforgiveness hinders our relationship with God. God's concerned about our relationship with Him, but He's also concerned about our relationship with others. It says, if you come before the altar to offer your gift, and you remember that there's an issue that's unforgiven between you and somebody else, Go take care of that. Then come and offer your gift. God's concerned about our relationship with others. So much so, he wants us to handle that before we even come before him. Unforgiveness hinders our relationships with others as well. And it takes a lot of energy, a lot of energy to hold all that hate, uh, to hold all that pain and all that difficulty. And you know what else it does? If somebody hurts us and we can't forgive and let go of that offense, we create a defense mechanism. And so now, you know, like, you know, during COVID, we have like this six-foot rule. Well, we have a six-foot rule for life. We don't let anybody get close to us because they could hurt us. And so unforgiveness not only affects our relationship with the person that we don't forgive, but it affects our relationships with everybody else as well. And so uh, it's so important that we do that. Unforgiveness hurts others and it hurts us. This parable is very clear. We have been forgiven a debt we could never have paid ourselves. Equivalent to millions and millions of dollars and more. And Jesus paid that debt for us. And because he forgave us for all of our sin, we need to forgive those who sin against us. 
So as we come to the concluding question, what spiritual lesson or lessons have you learned from this parable? What's your takeaway? And the bottom line is, because we have been forgiven, we really need to forgive others. That's the lesson. That's the major lesson of this parable. Now, today, we are observing the Lord's Supper. You know, oftentimes when we observe the Lord's Supper together, you know, as we go to prepare our hearts, um, we have somebody sing or we sing a song or, you know, just kind of set the mood. Uh, But today, in preparation, I want you to take a look at this video. Within the act of forgiveness lies an extraordinary power. It is the power to right wrongs, heal wounds, and ultimately change the course of history. It is a call to show grace and mercy, not merely as a social recommendation or personal disposition, but as a mandate from the God who forgave us first. Out of love, he chose to take all of our personal garbage and sweep it away, erasing it from our past. In exchange, we have received a clean slate, a brilliant future filled with opportunities to pass this gift on to each other. Through the love of Christ, we too have the power to overlook offenses, right wrongs, and heal history. We too have the power to sweep it all into a big pile of garbage and watch it burn away. Because of the one who showed mercy on us first, we too have the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is powerful. We have been forgiven. We have a debt of sin. And when we trust Jesus as our Savior, He wipes that slate clean. And because we have experienced His forgiveness, we are to take that slate of offenses and forgive and wipe that slate clean 